cut, but morally corrupt. It's Forwards Backwards Podcast. Welcome back. Not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Gimme Some Truth Studios. This week, we recap the roster, finagle Fangboner, and Harold Lavati. As always, Kyle Carr and I are do- joined by Dan Fallon, the Jerobi to our Q-tip and Fife dog. Dan, Kyle, if you could pick any Premier League manager to fight the aliens, who would you pick? So we had this discussion, and I said Sean Dyke because he's going to fight dirty. He's a dirty fighter. He's a dirty person. I would at least pick those odds for him to maybe win. He'd still probably lose. It would be the most boring thing to watch, but he would be dirty, and he would do what it takes. The, the nice thing is it would be a war of attrition with the aliens. Dice would d- just hunker down and it would take a long time. And maybe they'd yeah. just get bored and go back to their planet. It wouldn't actually win. They'd just be like, ah, oh, this, this sucks. We're not taking over yeah. these people. And go my concern there. was that he would just be constantly complaining about the alien getting all the calls because the aliens from a bigger planet. But, um, I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, Sam Allardyce, that seems like the obvious choice. Although the picture of uh, of uh, David Moyes recently looking like the Emperor from Star Wars, I might uh, I might put him in that category now because if he can shoot things out of his hands and like make you know kind of I'm not really a Star Wars guy, so I'm not really sure what the uh, lightning guys doing. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I, I'll give a shout for David Moyes. Also, he's having a good season. He's having a good season. He, he is. He's <laughs> coming back. So maybe David Moyes. Uh, if we went non Premier League, I think the obvious choice here is Diego Simeone. Right? I mean. Diego Simeone is not a guy you want to see walking at you down a dark alley. Yeah. I still went with Gattuso, but yeah. So we welcome back to the podcast, by the way, Neil Cowboy Neil at the wheel Havati, who has not joined us since uh, God knows when, I don't know if we finally peeved him off or, or what, but Neil, how have you been? I'm great. Um, uh, I took the absence because I was in the bubble, so I couldn't join the pod bubble. And that was early days last year. Yes, no problem. But then the bubble was formed and, you know, USL protocols. Uh, Neil, of course, uh, we, we've been doing the, the podcast virtually and Neil doesn't fully understand still the, the concept of the bubble. Um, and we've been trying to explain it to him. The just bubble is virtual? Worked. You can have a virtual bubble, but since we're not in person, I don't think the bubble concept applies. Dan, Kyle, can do you think we could affect it? I mean, I would be worried about a, hanging out with us virtually under normal circumstances just that we'd infect him with, like, you know, some other brain disease. Bad, hu- so, bad so, humor. Yeah, <laughs> bad jokes. <laughs> Neil was getting dangerously close to dad joke territory, and he had to pull away. Um, we, I could have provided that. I could have yeah. provided that. So, uh, Dan, I mean, all uh, getting inside, I'm just still glad that Neil works for forward Madison. It's good to yeah. see him. It's good to have him. Th- this is, this is very exciting. And uh, Neil, uh, as sort of a, a shout out to you, if I remember you're a big mountain joy fan, right? And that's the, the first, the first pod concert that they're having at Bree Stevens. Were you, were you consulted on this? I was heavily influential in um, accessing their tour manager and getting them here because uh, they're actually the last concert I attended in Chicago on New Year's Eve. So that was amazing. I didn't have tickets. I got scammed by someone. I DM them on Instagram. I said, hey, I just got scammed. Any chance you can give me some tickets? Well, I said it a lot more politely and 
whatsoever. And you said, don't you know who I am? I'm did not drop that line. I am um, the assistant manager of a division three soccer team. And uh, they got back to me and said, I can give you two. And I said, actually, I need three. And they were very kind to give me three free tickets to a New Year's Eve show. So I will be in attendance. I have a pod purchased, spending my money straight back to Big Top. Uh, was, I mean, Neil, was, the, only, the only thing I'd say about your, your previous experience with Mount Joy is you missed an excellent opportunity to ditch Turbo that night and be like, <laughs> sorry, buddy, I only got two tickets. You I, know. Got, I you love the idea. Else I do. love the idea of, uh, of Turbo as the third wheel on Neil's dates. <laughs> I, had, I, got, I had my girlfriend and my best friend in Wild Dorado and Mount Joy. So it was a fantastic evening. It was someone to run to the bar and get a couple of sodas uh, while we were lis- listening to the concert. So. Look, There's no one better to, to get through the crowds than Tobin. Let me tell well, you. you can all uh, easily visible. I think of him as like now you're Dupree. Like, <laughs> is he living on your couch? You, me, and Turbo would be a great sequel. Um, I think, you know, you could get who could you get to play Turbo in the movie? Vince Vaughn? <laughs> I mean Gareth Bale isn't doing anything, so maybe ask him. <laughs> expanding his career to acting so you're saying i can play myself is what you're saying uh well yes i I think that would be excellent i think you know you have top-notch if we've learned anything from this podcast neil it's that you have top-notch comedic timing correct thank you okay (laughs) so uh kyle dan and i wanted to talk with you neil today to to kind of recap the roster but one of our questions were as well, you know, going to go through the guys that are returning, the new signings, uh, you know, here, here's some off-season stories. You also um, had an open tryout, so we may talk a little bit about that. But one of the things we're curious about is you went from being coached by our head coach, uh, Carl Craigson, Craig Carlson, uh, take your pick, to now uh, coaching alongside him and wanted to see how that transition's been for you and what you've, you've been learning in this process. Um, yeah, so far it's been, it's been great. Um, it's been obviously having Daryl as, as my boss and, and mentor and head coach for the first two years was great. And I owe him my professional coaching career. So there's, there's nothing that can ever replace that. Um, but the, the job, uh, moves on and we, now we have Carl. Um, and obviously you mentioned we, we have a past together. He goes from, from coaching me to, not releasing me, but me not wanting to play there anymore because they opted to not give me enough money when the big money came into Minnesota United. Um, I chose <laughs> less green pastures that were more friendly, and mm-hmm. Carl stayed there. And so I think Carl got a lot of great um, great opportunity to coach while he was there with some great players, and there's uh, there's no there's nothing that can replace that. And I went on my path, and, and somehow the soccer world continues to, to bring people together that – I had no idea they would be together ever again. So when Carl, uh, his name popped up and and that name was shared with me very late in the process, I had nothing but great, great things to say about him. And Carl did his best to fight for the job amongst the pool of very, very good candidates that we had here. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, we don't need to go through it too much, but I mean, it really does seem like if you could kind of write the description of who you were looking for, for this job, Carl checks off a lot of those boxes. And um, I guess I'd I'd just ask you, like, how do you think he's given that you can't kind of interact with the fans and the supporters? I mean, how is he kind of connecting with, uh, with Madison and, um, 
I think that, I mean, clearly that was a strength. I think he was bringing its ability to, to bridge that gap between the supporters and, and the club. Absolutely. I think, I think that ability comes to Carl very naturally. Um, that's how he, he's a fan of football first and foremost. He cares about the fans. He cares about, he cares about the game. Um, and, and Carl is a guy that isn't going to take just any job. And that's something that is for a lot of people might be very difficult to understand as a coach. Carl only wanted to take on a, a club and a city and a project that actually means something to him and aligns with his beliefs of how he wants to live life, what he thinks is right and wrong. And this city couldn't match Carl any better. And I think that's something that resonated very early on with, with kind of with him and the people in our front office in the interview process. And as he met with supporters and I know Kyle, you were on some of those calls with him. Um, and I think that's something that resonated with the flock very early on with Carl and, and that's a huge piece of this job that they were looking for. So Carl couldn't have fit that any better. Yeah. I was going to say with Carl, the thing that really stood out was he got to know myself and April and Andrew on the call. It was like, he was asking about us, like what got us into four bats and what got us into soccer, what got us to the place that we were. And I think that just showed his ability to first and foremost, kind of identify what makes everyone tick and what makes everyone motivated to keep going. And I think that's something it really stood out to me and it was really impressive. And I wonder, and I'm curious to see how that's going to translate over to the players. Do you think that he's going to try, like try to be more of that, like kind of motivator leader, or is he going to kind of do be more behind the scenes and kind of let you and the wrestling coaching staff kind of handle it? Yeah. Carl, Carl's a guy that kind of has that same approach he brought to the call with the supporters. We we've had, numerous zoom calls with potential players, players we've signed players that we already had signed of. And most of those phone calls aren't about soccer. Um, they're about the person and about, or what makes them love soccer. What are moments in soccer that, that we, that Carl wants to know that we need to know about that player. Um, it's finding out the little things that make them enjoy life, um, off the field. And some players it's only about on the field and Carl gets them to think about, okay, you can't always be happy on the field. So find something off the field you love because it's going to be a difficult life without that. Um, Carl just has a way of, of talking with people that I think a lot of people will be, I don't want to say weirded out, but a little bit at first by him because he's truly asking deep questions that a lot of players have never been asked before. And they're like, got to think on it and get back to you, Carl, because what does this have to do with soccer? But to us as a staff, there's, it means a lot. So you're going to, you'll, you'll see some stories come out of this year. I'm sure. <laughs> so uh, proof that you can do and, and talk about uh, Carl Craig without mentioning, uh, you know, being a vegan or running a co-op or tattoos or, or punk rock in, in an interview. We're pretty impressive there. Uh, what we want to do now, Neil, is kind of run through. We've got uh, a list of the signings in front of us, and, and each of us will kind of, uh, you know, pose some questions about them uh, kind of in order um, and, and get your thoughts. And what we're interested in about is, you know, one, how you see them, if you see their role evolving at all, uh, what, you know, if they're a returner, as the first one here is, uh, you know, Christian Pato Diaz, who two years ago was first team, I believe, all USL. Last year, maybe we didn't see as spectacularly, and I want to see if, if last year there was a change in his role and, and how we see, you know, Pato's role coming into, into this season. I think we're very lucky 
we would consider ourselves very lucky to have Pato back because we know he got some looks after that first year at MLS level and he has played at, you know, Liga MX. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, Pato is a player we're very excited to have back. Um, we know what he was like in 2019 and we know the difference that was there in 2020. Um, so kind of in the third year, we're expecting him to get beyond what he was like in 2019. He has the experience of being here for two years. However, there's there's now a change in the coaching staff that maybe allows him something different, maybe allows him some more freedom. That's that's yet to be known by us. Um, Carl loves a lot of the, the football qualities that, that Pato brings on the pitch. He wants attacking outside backs and Pato provides that nonstop. So that was something in 2019 where I think he was a little more a little more dangerous, pressed on a little bit higher, was probably a little more confident in his dribbling and, and connecting. And that's something I think we'll see out of Pato again with a, with a full preseason with us. I think that's some things that people don't know is he spent a lot of the preseason last year with, with Chicago and, and with other clubs. And so it's, it was difficult for him to get really meshed back into the, a newer group that we had last year as well. So uh, Long Island boy here, Dan. So we'll let you uh, ask this one. Well, just one quick follow-up on Pato. Correct me if I'm wrong. He played most of the first season at left back and then played almost all of last season at right back. So there was also kind of a switch of positions. So, um, which theoretically should have been a good fit for him because he's, I think he's a right-footed player, but clearly he didn't have the same impact. And But what was interesting last year was that Hero then played left back and was often our biggest attacking threat. So clearly you know, whoever was in the left back spot was, was, uh, was kind of in position to, to get forward a lot more. So anyway, so yeah, Gustavo, who I, I, I was really impressed with last season, um, seems to be a bit of Jack of all trades can kind of fill in anywhere. Um, but I thought games where he played at center back, I thought his, his distribution out of the back was some of the best that I, that I remember from some of our center backs. So tell us a little bit more about where you guys are projecting Gustavo out this year. Cause I know he played kind of in the six, couple times I think he even popped up at right back probably mm-hmm. late in matches um so where do you guys see him this year yeah we, we see him more as a as a center back this year knowing he can he can fill in as a two or knowing he can go as a six when we call on him but uh Carl and I rate his passing ability very high I think he he has an ability to to see things that a lot of other players don't see from that position and from the moment we scouted him last year um in the in the beginning of the year for me, he was a player that's very mature. Um, so it, it makes things easier. He does his job very well. I think he learned a lot from a full full year of training last year, his first pro year. And usually guys have will rebound for a, a big second year um, after a rookie season. And I think he's, he's a pro that I think can easily move on to the championship after a successful year this year. So we're, we're expecting him to slot in often, um, especially with – the possibility of not having Josiah because of qualifying games a lot. So the center back position is going to be one that I think will be rotating quite often. And actually I was just about to ask about that, not thinking of the qualifying games for Josiah, but also if turbo doesn't come back, you know, you would have Josiah Gustavo and I guess Eric Leonard would also Mm -hmm. fill it. But do you think that is going to be a position with Gustavo and the center back, is it is he kind of going to be more of the ball playing type of center back with because of his distribution ability, or is he going to be just more of a sweeper? What I guess, what are your hopes that Gustavo can develop into in terms of the center back role? Yeah, I think he's going to be 
kind of a hybrid between what Josiah and Connor is like. I mean, I think I think Connor's turned out to be a, a very possession-oriented center back that is probably the best defending center back in our league. Um, so I think Gustavo has all the abilities to be able to do the same thing um, as he just reads the game better and better year to year. He, the moment we saw just uh, Gustavo uh, in a combine last year, he, he has an ability to drive forward with the ball and pick out passes. He's just comfortable dribbling forward. And I think that speaks to his time uh, as a six and Carl is a, is a manager that, that loves an ability of a player to either play as a center back or as a six, because he sees them very similar, obviously a little more organizational responsibilities as a center back, but he kind of wants those to be interchangeable for a lot of guys. So Kyle, uh, youngest guy on the podcast, you get to ask about very young player here. Yeah, so with Noah Fusan, we saw him last year near the end, uh, especially against the Revs 2 in the final home game. Finally was able to get the goal, but it was very – he was someone that when he was on the pitch, he was everywhere, it seemed like. He was pressing all over the place. It seemed as though he was always just so close or half a step off of just getting the ball to put in the net or getting the, in a vital interception. So with bringing him back, um, is he going to be someone that you, along with Gustavo to take that next step? Like what are the qualities that you see in Noah? Yeah, I think Noah has a, is another guy with a huge upside. That's in part why we exercise tremendous upside potential. That's the He's NBA term, right? Kyle? Yes. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, he's, he's young. He's got tons of energy. As you said, he, he is pacey. Um, training last year gets behind our back line all day with ease. So uh, that speaks to how well we defended last year and training is probably more difficult than the games we played in, but Noah, Noah has a way to get in behind to be unpredictable. I think that's something that you see at a young age with a lot of players when they're not as tactically advanced, they run in places they maybe shouldn't, but then, it's maybe a little better for them when we do get the ball back. So that unpredictability works in his favor. Um, and he's a kid Carl and I have been in touch with a lot this, this off season. He he's working on his game a ton. He's training out in California with a, a large group of players. Um, and we, we expect him to be someone that comes off the bench and starts um, quite frankly. He's, he finishes very well um, in training. And as he gets to know the game tactically better, he's going to put himself in spots like you saw last year when he, put himself in a good spot and had a simple finish. So the more we can get him in spots like that, his job shouldn't be very hard. Uh, last year we saw him sliding in quite a bit in, in for, you know, kind of the number nine role. Do you see him playing there or out a little bit wider uh, in terms of the, the shape? Um, you know, we, we will talk about another guy that we signed here, uh, mm -hmm. Jake Keegan. Is mm -hmm. he going to be, you know, out wide? Is he in, in through the middle? What's, what's going on there? Um, probably a little bit of both. Um, we, we like him as a nine and we like that he's very different than Jake as a nine. Um, and there's, there's specific reasons why we brought Jake in to play that a different kind of nine than Noah, but Noah can also slot in as a seven wide. And that also provides us with another new signing that can go in as a backup nine. And I think we just have a lot more, um, adaptability formation wise this year with the profiles we've brought in of people that can play wide people that can play as a nine. I think we're going to have a lot of interchangeability amongst, amongst our front three and quite frankly, amongst our front five of where they want to go and what they want to do. I think that was one of the good things that we saw in the, in the first year was we had a, a fair amount of interchangeability. You'd see, 
you know, Paulo Jr. pop up on the right or the left and Don on the right or the left. And even though we didn't have a clear defined number nine, you could see a little bit of that moving through. So that was that was very good. Where does uh, new signing Derek Gebhardt uh, tell us a little bit about him, his past and where he might fit in in this more fluid front front three or front front five? Uh, Derek's a, Derek's a player that's actually he's only 25, but he, I think he's had I think he went pro at 18. He was he was, he was playing when I was still young. So that's an interesting one. I remember him with Jacksonville when, when we were playing there in uh, NASL and I'm like, who's this tall lanky kid that just runs by everyone with ease. That's not, that's not fair guys. Like slow down. You're 18. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing this to us old men. Um, but that's, when I, Neil, I remember, that's when Neil realized it was time to uh, take up coaching. That's when I realized my time is dwindling. <laughs> your your brain your your soccer brain could only carry your aging legs so far i mean you just had to really get into them and pinch their belly button and tell them to settle down <laughs> grabbing the armpit hair that's a we don't tell them about those tricks but sometimes <laughs> no, but derek I, re, I remember derek from his i think he had three or four years with jacksonville and, and carl was with minnesota still then too so we have a you just tend to remember players that, that have an impact on the game. And Derek had a, a streak very early on in his career where he was super impactful for that Jacksonville side. And then he caught himself in uh, going to a few different clubs, which a lot of players do uh, in the lower divisions here. He was in a great system with Mark Lowry in El Paso. And watching video of him, we saw a lot of great qualities going forward um, that Carl and I both wanted. He has speed to get in behind, much like Noah. And it's going to again, provide um, a spark going forward um, that I think is just a little more direct than we've had in the past. And it will just continue to put opposing back lines, maybe shift them back a little further, giving us a little more space to operate. So Danny, you get to ask about uh, really the big exciting offseason signing here. Jake Keegan. We're all uh, exciting no. guys. Come on. Oh, sorry. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I would, I mean, my, I was, I was kind of most excited to think about uh, the last name on the list. But well, we'll you know, we can't, we've been accused of putting undue pressure on the last name of the list. So we don't want to. I was going with excited. a different name, but I digress. I was also very excited about Aaron Malloy until I found out what Premier League team he supports. But anyway, moving on. Um, I was like, this guy's perfect. He's Irish. He loves dogs. What's wrong with him? And then I found out what was wrong with him. Never um, meet your heroes, Dan. <laughs> so Jake Keegan, I think, you know, uh, keen followers of USL will be aware of Jake, uh, but why don't you tell us a little bit about what he, what he brings to the table. And, um, you know, it's funny, I think last season, you know, you look at his goal output, maybe it's only five or six goals. Then you remember last year was basically a clusterfuck and he only, you know, probably played, you know, not as many matches as the year before. So the guy's a proven goal scorer. Um, what did it take to get him here? And what are you guys hoping to see from him? Uh, Jake, Jake is a very honest kid. So we had very honest conversations. He's the same Jake. age as you are, isn't he? Nah, come on. No <laughs> way. We'll have a foot race and we'll see what happens. Um, I start is 50 it, yards ahead. He's, he's 29. Aren't you like what? You're, you're, you're 31, 34. Oh God. You're old and near death, Neil. I was going to say he's closer to my age than Neil's age. Yeah. Come on. I mean, I think of Neil as a kid, so I can't imagine him calling. You think him. of everyone as a kid. Well, that's true. Um, I just imagine like you brought, you needed to bring in an older guy. So if Turbo comes back, he has somebody to talk to about like, you know, that they might have bands in common. Like, 
you know, the new, the, between Fusan and, and Vang and some of these young guys, you know, that, that Turbo has no idea what they're talking about in the locker room, I would imagine, most days. I, I'm sure Jake and, and Turbo, if Turbo happens to come back to Ford Madison FC, will sit next to each other. <laughs> I should also know that have Jake a lot is, of stories. I should also know that Jake uh, is from kind of a uh, a well-trodden New York path, John Jay High School, um, and then East Fishkill um, are perennial powerhouses. Um, I don't think I ever played against John Jay, but we definitely played against Fishkill at various times. And actually, guys from Long Island would go play for Fishkill. They were that good some of their age groups so he definitely comes from a pipeline of talent out of new york and binghamton being one of the probably the best d1 program there stony brook uh in new york so definitely a pedigree for jake well we're definitely going to put binghamton ahead of stony brook and gustavo will argue this with me (laughs) but connor tobin will back it up having both of us played in the america east and hating traveling to binghamton the upper east coast or upper east and just having the worst fans possible. <laughs> just uh, because would we would Dan have gotten into a fight with the, the fans in Binghamton? I mean, my dad pretty much got in a fight with the fans <laughs> in Binghamton. My, it, you know, my, I, I don't know. Actually, I've never actually been to Binghamton, but if, if my high school impressions uh, are accurate, I think people at Binghamton like to have a very good time, and I would assume that they came to those games tuned up and ready to tell those fancy boys from Boston University in Vermont <laughs> what they, they thought were tuned about. up, trying to tune us up. And <laughs> it spirited was, it was fans, tough. Neil. Spirited. Yes. They were spirited. Getting, getting back big big crowds, too. I think they draw well at Binghamton, right? Oh, I don't yeah. think I played in front of less than 2,000 at any of the games. Yeah, yeah Binghamton's Crazy. got a good, good soccer scene up there. Yeah, so Jake, Jake, Jake knew what he wanted uh, in this offseason, and it, it's very, it's very easy to have conversations with players that are honest about what what their intentions are and where they're going and where their career is going. And and we were very honest about what we wanted out of Jake, and that made um, negotiations and, and talks with him and getting to know him uh, very easy. And I'm really looking forward to to working with him on the field. And Jake. Jake's another guy that Carl and I have both had a past with from the NASL and seeing him banging goals pretty much everywhere he's gone. Um, he was also at Edmonton, right? Uh, he was also an Edmonton player, but I was not, not there. the same time as you. No, one year after. Yeah. Okay. But he is a, I think Jake has some of the best movement in, in lower division soccer that you can, you can come across championship or our league. He, he's very smart. He's very clever. He knows how to get behind people. And, and if you watch some highlight tapes of his, a lot of his goals just end up coming from, from clever little runs where defenders just don't really know where he is. And he has the ability to simplify a finish and, and do very well. Um, I like the way he finishes. It tends to be very low and hard and on the ground and usually far post. And for the most part, those things type tend to go in. Um, he creates his own luck. And another thing that he's adding to our squad, I think is, is just his experience. Um, that is really going to help Noah and some of the other young players we, we have along that we're continuing to develop. Uh, before we turn things over to Kyle, uh, fish kill kill is of course not uh, the English version, but uh, the Dutch term for a riverbed or water pathway. So this would be a, a fish stream technically. Kyle, did you know that? 
Nope. I don't up- know. I didn't understand half of what he was saying there. <laughs> uh, is that better or worse than usual, Kyle? Uh, but it's, per- it's standard. It's standard. But average. What? Now that Keith's opened up this this box, one of my favorites is I, I think it's in New York, might be in New Jersey, is the huge uh, New York City dump is called Freck Hills. Um, so fresh stream, but it's a huge uh, dump. Uh, so there you go. Uh, while, we're, while we're on geography, Dan, uh, can you provide us with a Fangboner Road update since you traversed <laughs> back across the country? Did we learn so anything? Have to, uh, because I'm being lazy, I'm not going to look it up. There is a Fangboner Road that exists somewhere in like Iowa, Indiana or Ohio. Um, Ohio. I did not see it on my drive back. I may have just been, you know, updating my Instagram while driving for 14 straight hours and wasn't looking at the road. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but as, as, I, as I assured you in the text, I'm sure it's still fanging and bonering. So I'm sure everything is just fine on Fangboner Road. My my favorite is that if you Google Fangboner Road, the the headline is Fangboner Road, named for an industrious man, <laughs> and it is in Ohio, uh, near uh, Lindsay, Ohio. For those of you playing at home, Kyle, yeah. uh, I apologize for. I was uh, going to say those core Midwest valleys. If we want to consider Ohio part of the Midwest, which brings us to another player that returned, Illinois native Eric Leonard. <laughs> I think that was one of the big things um, to hear out of the return. That right players. there is why he's the hardest working man in Division <laughs> One or in 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 Wisconsin Madison sports podcasting. Right there, you know, that kind I, of transition. That's why you pay the big transfer fee. Right there, it, it comes natural to me now. After a couple months, I've I figured it out. But yeah, Eric Leonard, one of the returning players coming back, um, huge for the team, both in terms of his ability to break up any attack that was coming at him, and he was even chipping in some goals now. So what? Is is he still going to have that same role in the six, even with the new system? Yeah, I think we we continually see Eric as a six, um, Carl and I. There's there's just too many things he does um, in that position that continues to help the team either stay in a game, come back from a game, or, or just win a game. Um, again, we've we've had a tremendous defensive record at this club over the past two years. Um, and Eric is a player that will always have a strong defensive side and a large part of, of his development. And I think we, we saw him develop more last year is continuing to do more going forward, continuing to connect plays going forward, giving the ball to, to Mike Vang, giving the ball to someone we're going to talk about in a little bit. So I'm not going to say his name, but just connecting the dots going forward and something Eric wants to do. And it's and it's something in year three where we need to to see him continue to develop in that fashion. Um, I think it's someone who's who's great in the community as well. He cares about Madison. Um, he's back for year three. He does a lot in the community. Uh, he, t- he takes a lot of time of his own personal time to to get out and and be with the flock and be with the fans. So there's there's not enough that can be said about players that don't just show up and put a jersey on and and want the semi-famous fame of USL League One, but actually go and invest your time and and wear your sign because it means a heck of a lot more to to me and the fans and our front office and and everyone involved when they do stuff that's just not on tv i i mean i'll be honest the the usl league one fame has helped with my uh tinder profile uh i'll put you know a usl noted usl league one podcaster and let me just say the women flock like the salmon of capistrano that is a tremendous transition I, you know, I, I do what I can for you. I don't know what I'm, I've transitioned into other than a dead end. 
Uh, I was just about to say you could you could have gotten the clubhouse invite, and now I'm I'm reconsidering it. I, <laughs> you know, I, I want no invites anywhere, Kyle. You know that uh, I am I am you know steadfastly against being invited anywhere. Will not join a club that will have me as a member. Uh, that uh, that brings us to now uh, with Leonard. Actually, it transition transitions into something I, Dan and Kyle uh, and I have talked a little bit off air is. You know, uh, Carl was known for a four-two-three-one with Minnesota. You, you know, had a little bit of experience with that. Uh, would Eric be alone at the six? And would you have someone like, or or will you have two guys at the base of the midfield, uh, and have someone like Aaron Malloy operating independently in maybe a, a, a ten role with with two guys behind him, a four-two-three-one or a four-two-one-three, or you know, we can start throwing numbers around. So Aaron Malloy, uh, kind of a classic playmaker, right? Yeah, uh, definitely a playmaker, uh, different type of playmaker than, than Michael Vang, which we'll touch on later, Dan. But uh, a, a guy that uh, I personally have had my, my eye on since 2018. Um, I remember seeing him play when I was playing in an open cup match against his PDL team. I didn't start. And I said, thank God I didn't start. Cause I don't really want to run around and chase this kid. Um, that was the end for me, Dan. That's when I, that's when I saw <laughs> um, came on the field and I told him you guys should be winning this game. Um, but good luck now um, ended up going to penalties. Of course I scored. We won the game. Um, Aaron Malloy gets drafted uh, first round of MLS draft. Great for him. Still set in touch, tried to get him again last year on loan, didn't happen, left Portland, and we got our man. So Aaron's a guy that I think will, will help a lot of the pieces come together that we're bringing in. It'll, it'll help Jake. It'll help Derek Gebhardt. Uh, it'll help whoever we're going to put on the left. It'll help everyone. Aaron, he's just a guy who will buzz around the field, connect the dots, um, and it's frankly, someone that I think the fans are going to be really excited to come watch every week because it's a player that I don't think we've, we've quite had the, the profile of, um, probably since, uh, for a while. Yeah. If ever at this club. So I think it's going to be someone everyone really enjoys watching. How may it be different from, uh, like Josie L our previous, you know, guy that you might cl- classify as a classic number 10, how, how would he be different in some senses? Uh, Josie L We'll, we'll put Aaron most likely Aaron's a guy that'll they'll go everywhere. He's going to be more of a typical box to box guy going to get up, going to get down, going to help us build out, but can also help us when we, when we get up in the attack. Um, Josie L was one of those players. I think we, we all saw a lot of special things from in the, the attacking third and we didn't, we didn't, while his work rate was incredible, we didn't expect out of him a lot of out of him defensively. Aaron, we expect him to do it all. So high. Or an eighth high. and a ten. Yes, a lot of a lot of responsibility, but we think he can handle it based on where he's been and systems he's grew up in. Shouldn't be a problem for him. And, and this is one of the shifts in in general. It's interesting if you watch MLS, you still see a lot of number tens. But if you go into the the Premier League, a classic old school number ten doesn't exist, or in Germany, or even now more and more in Spain, you're not seeing that classic number 10 of the Enganche Latin America role that you're more seeing two semi-creative number eights who are expected to do a lot of stuff and also, you know, serve in those killer balls from their, their location. So I think it'll be an interesting kind of tactical development. Uh, a guy who, who developed uh, quite a bit last year, Dan, uh, next on our list. 
Hero. I mean, I think a lot of us are just glad to see him back. I mean, I think he obviously put himself in the shop window last year with an incredibly successful season. Pro I mean, you could make the argument it was probably our best player over the course of the season. I mean, you know, we could talk about some – I mean, defensively, we were very, very solid. Um, but, I mean, really a guy who in year one, it was a little – you know, he was kind of the super sub, you know, obviously – Hero's got a lot of athleticism. He's fast. Um, he can kind of slot in a lot of different places. I don't think we were necessarily thinking he was going to be our everyday left back at the beginning of last season. I don't think you guys thought that either. Um, maybe, you know, I know we had the guy, the kid from Chicago who potentially could have been up here, um, but he had a breakout season. And I think everyone's really excited to see him back. So tell us a little bit about, about getting Jiro back and where if we'll see him pretty much in that left back role again this year. Yeah, he, we plan to to play him as a left back again. I mean, I think I think Giro is a a product of when you say you need to go somewhere and get games. Giro got a lot of games last year, and that goes a long way towards developing. Um, even I'm a huge believer, and even if you're not being coached very well at any wherever you're at, if you play games, you're gonna get a, you're gonna learn, and that's I I grew up like that. As soon as you get games, you learn by yourself. You learn what works, what doesn't work. And then once you have in uh, a coach that helps you out, I mean, Daryl identified Jiro very early on as a that was going to be a very good player. And Daryl's credit, Daryl uh, Jiro's turned into a fantastic player. I think we used him properly in the first year, just kind of vetting him into to being a pro player. And Daryl released him and said, go for it. And we got a lot of great things out of him. Um, Jero works relentlessly in the off season. He's one of the hardest workers physically um, competes every day on the field to the point where players hate going up against him because they know Jero's going to kick the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, you look at him and he, he doesn't strike you as a very physical player. And I think we can all remember a number of times last season where he, you know, you think he's in trouble, but he can use his strength and his speed to get himself out of trouble. He's not afraid to mix it up right. um, with other players in one v ones. He's like one of those guys that you know you play against who you just like. How did he dig that ball out of that tackle? Yeah. Um, there's some guys who just have that innate ability to kind of just roll the ball away or push it away and get away with the ball. And I think I know one of my favorite moments of doing this podcast is still going to be when he rode by on his just bike. goes riding riding by on the bike <laughs> on his bike uh outside the studio on monroe street and i was just like hey there's jiro on his bike while we were literally recording the podcast it was just like just a sweet little moment with jiro <laughs> he waves and and continues biking down monroe street yeah. as jiro as, as continues to learn he's going to continue to develop into a great player and i think he he learned a lot last year both just by playing and, and tactically and and going to review a lot of stuff and he's growing into uh, to being in a pro environment more and more and i think he's he's going to be super prepared for this year based on what we've been uh talking to him about and what we've seen him done in the off season so really really excited about having him on our left side yeah no, no, to go with the strong defense i would say one of the biggest revelations along with giro would be josiah Trimmingham. um he didn't he wasn't in the first starting 11 um Jalen Chrysler was ahead of him but it kind of worked out for Josiah that he was able to slot into the starting lineup was one of the top center backs in the league along with Turbo and he got rewarded with a captain's armband for Trinidad Tobago and now he's coming back unfortunately got injured in said match but do you 
is he someone that you kind of think is going to take in more of that leadership role to partner with Gustavo at the current moment? And maybe if Turbo comes back, kind of takes that leadership role now? Um, yeah, I, I think Josiah is a, I think we have a lot of leaders. Josiah is a guy who uh, will do a lot of communicating with guys individually, um, trying to help them along. He cares about the game immensely and you can, you can see that every day. Um, he benefited from, from, from an unfortunate in- injury to Jalen for sure. And stepped in, I think, uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of, We'll see what happens with him as it comes to World Cup qualifiers because it could be a very difficult year for him based on possibly going back and forth. Um, but he's he's one of the most dominant players in this league in the air. We know when the opponent has a goal kick or a set piece. If it's a free ball, Josiah is getting there most likely. So that that is a, a great tool that we have on our side. And as this year comes about, um, again, he's another player that needs to continue to positionally and tactically learn, continue to learn the game uh, more and more. And this is the perfect level for him to do it at because as Keith loves to hear me say, he has a big upside if he continues to grow. Um, he's tremendous upside potential. Tremendous upside potential growth stuff. So he's a player that, that should be in, in a couple of years or next year in the championship. Um, so we want to we wanna help him out here and then put him on his way. And that's something that Carl and I, especially with the younger guys, when they're in those type of situations where they need to develop and grow, we don't want players to be here for four years. We want, we want to move them on and we want to see this program, have them be successful in another program. Two things. We'll, we'll, we'll work on our, our good friend, Jason Ilstrup from downtown Madison Inc. to try and get a direct flight to uh, Port of Spain. That'd be cool. To make, things, to make things a little bit easier for Josiah. And and second, um, it would be unfair if we didn't mention that. Now, this is a little bit uh, because, you know, we weren't always the most dynamic team going forward towards the end of last season, but Josiah was also occasionally our most creative uh, attacking player on a couple of cases. Some of the highlights really? of last season are him uh, going by guys. Uh, the, he had that one shot that rattled the post. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, so- yes, the Apollo over in Tucson. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he loves yeah, walkabout. He's, he's got a lot, lot to his game. <laughs> I have no problem with the walkabout. Just have an end product. So either bang it off the crossbar, put it in the goal, or put it over the railroad tracks. Those are your only options. Uh, speaking the of thing is, the good thing is the turbo's so old, he never goes walkabout. So you know you've always got somebody. <laughs> you've, back got there. A, you've got a guy <laughs> hanging back. Uh, he had a few last year. He had a few. I mean, yeah, Talk but about. it looked like, you know, it looked like when grandpa gets out of the home, that's wow. what it looked like. You know, wow. um, one, one thing I'll say about Josiah is at the beginning of the year, his distribution was a little suspect. Was that something that, uh, was that just, he was unfamiliar with how team was playing, uh, you know, nerves about, you know, playing by, you know, if, if he hit one over the, the goal that it would go into a railroad car and never be seen again. The 80 million um, lines on the field. Yeah. What, what was there, you know, some of his distribution was a little worrying, but it got better over the year. Was that something that you guys focused on with him as a staff or? Yeah, I think that was just comfortability growing into the squad. Um, he had a few injuries early on too, that he was dealing with. So he was on and off in training and then it's, it's just getting his sharpness and the, the period of time and quarantine before we officially kicked off was, was difficult because we didn't have a single game before we played last year. So yeah, uh, I mean, I was playing center back on the other team, and listen, shut out, easy, no problem. 
I mean, were you, were you making the case to Daryl that that you should have been brought on as as the center back? Oh no, and, I'm not chasing anyone in behind. Okay. Were, you, were you? Were you? Because uh, I was going to say, can we recruit Neil for Liverpool to be their eighth or ninth center back this season? <laughs> on the bench for sure, no problem. Okay. Yeah. You know, and the other thing, you know, the other, in, in Josiah's defense, you know, this is like a, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, you know, you're a new guy, you're stepping in, you're new to a club, you know, you, you probably just want to keep it simple and not make a mistake. And you're, you know, you're there to keep goals out, not to create goals. And I'm sure, you know, just banging a few down the pitch when you're under a little bit of pressure. Cause you know, what happens, you make, you try to make a couple of clever passes that get cut out and then everyone's right. like, they're on your ass. And the coach is like, why are you doing that? So, I, I mean, I was really impressed with him. We were a little tough on him. I think both him and Turbo early in the season last year sure. about just the distribution out of the back. And I thought it improved greatly as the season went on. And uh, there were times too, I think the, the eye test didn't always match up to the stats where we go back and look. And the other team was actually playing more long balls than we were. Um, I think we might be a little tough to please when it comes to that. Like we want to see the ball on the floor. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, last season was a little bit of a, as I said earlier, a club to, yeah. to quote Brian Clough, if, if God intended for soccer to be played in the air, he would put grass on the clouds. Uh, <laughs> that's a great quote. Uh, I want to ask you about now, perhaps the greatest soccer player since, uh, killing Mbappe, <laughs> Michael. The Vang train, the G is silent. Michael Vang, uh, you for a second should, I thought, by the I, way, for a second I, mean, I thought Keith, we could. Hey, we I could, thought Keith knew his nick. I thought Keith knew his middle name there for a second. I yeah. thought we were going to get the middle name. Uh, if, if you could, if we could highlight, uh, high five you, we would high five you because you were telling us beforehand. This this reminded me a little bit when I was a kid growing up. Uh, my dad had a friend who coached the alumni soccer t- or the alumni. Uh, hockey team at the University of Wisconsin. And this is a long time ago. And you're going to find out how long ago this was. But there were two guys and all he took us into the Badger, you know, uh, team's locker room. We didn't care about the alumni. We wanted to met, meet the Badger team. And after this alumni game, and he introduced us, you know, my favorite player at the time was a guy named number two, Yanaki Danielson. And I wanted to get Yanaki Danielson's autograph. But my dad's friend said, the two guys, make sure you get these two guys' autograph. They're going to be big time. Mike Richter, Dan, you can appreciate that one, and Tony Granado. And I still have a hockey stick at home with both of their autographs on it. So much like he said, you want these two guys, a certain Neil, Cowboy Neil at the Wheel Havati said to us, you want to watch this guy, Michael the Vang Train. G is silent. So, you know, Tell us what a great scout of talent you are, Neil. <laughs> I just want to thank his brother for saying, can my brother come to the combine? <laughs> I just want to thank his brother for saying, can my brother come to the combine? That's, <laughs> this is, that's the length of this scouting because there's, there weren't a lot of people that knew about this kid. Um, and if they did, it was when he was about 15 in Minnesota with MTA. And after that, uh, somehow he was forgotten and I don't know how that's how he slips through the cracks. And I think this is a, an issue that our country has altogether. I think there's a lot of Michael Vangs out there. We just got to find them. Um, so it, again, great on us for hosting the combine, his brother for telling him to come and great on Daryl for saying we're signing this kid today because 
Daryl went there with the contract and he got it done. So that's the reason we have Mike Vang. Um, unfortunate for him, couldn't get some um, ITC issues done from his past club in Portugal. So we kind of got off to a, a slower start without him. Who, who is Kubo responsible for translating the, the documents from the Portuguese? Is that why we had this issue? The butcher does not read Portuguese. So <laughs> I was right here. Come on. I know. Kyle got is more knowledge about Portugal than anyone I know. Yeah, uh, I thought Kyle though you you spoke Swedish because you did that interview. There's with that this, too. Yeah, that Swedish supporters group. <laughs> Swedish Portuguese. I got it. He's, he's the Zlatan of Madison. I think we're gonna <laughs> I think we're gonna need a uh, to know what language everyone speaks and additional languages of the flock. So we might need you guys in negotiation circumstances with other federations. We can do that. That's perfect. Thank you, guys. We we appreciate the flock. Um, uh, I mean, I think you guys has really did it. This was all for like dramatic effects. Like lose a couple of matches, everyone's just like, "When's Vang gonna play? When's Vang gonna play?" And then he comes on, and it's like, there he is, the Vang train out of the yes. station. No, Mike. Uh, Mike's Mike's great, and it was tough to not see him out there because you could see how much it was hurting him to just be training and not playing. Uh, but credit to him. He kept a great attitude. He knew the situation was out of anyone's control really. And just bide his time until we had the final approval um, and the, and the Portuguese Federation finally sent the papers over, but um, he's a young guy that had never been through a pro season. And I think he, he had his ups and downs last year. Um, but again, he learned through playing. And I think that, that, that experience is going to be, massive for him this year he learned about what he's capable of and he learned what the league's like um even more so so within within the setting that we're going to provide him this year uh, i think he's going to flourish even more he's another kid that has worked tremendously hard in the off season um and he's he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna be firing on all cylinders when he joins us in preseason one thing we noticed last year was that um he he tended to come on uh, come off after about 65, 70 minutes. Was that a, a you know conscious decision in terms of managing his workload and for such a you know young guy as well? Yeah, I think uh, it was definitely work some workload stuff, and we wanted him to. Although the season was shortened, we wanted him to be available for every game. And having not played a a lengthy season or a pro season before, it's it's difficult for kids coming out of college or kids who had never done it um, to to sometimes home games. You can say easy no problem but then when you start playing saturday wednesday saturday saturday throwing in a couple travel days your your body starts to respond in ways you haven't seen it respond before and you don't you can't play to the capabilities you want to um and i think that was the case i remember one game in away in chattanooga we couldn't start him um because his body wasn't there and daryl and i both at halftime said we're putting this kid in because he's going to change the game and I think everyone remembers Chattanooga he scored one of the, the best individual goals of the year, I think. And those are the type of moments we want to see Mike Bang in more. Dan, and, do you have and, thoughts and, about you know, Chattanooga? You didn't really play a home game last year either. So you guys were, I mean, you're basically on the road every week. And I mean, I, you know, the one thing I think I found impressive about him is, yeah, I mean, like as a, you know, I don't, I don't mean this in a, in a, in a derogatory way. He's definitely a flair player, right? I mean, he's a player who's, who's there on the field to create in the final third and what I liked about him is that he didn't, he, he always was trying. Um, like, you know, when things weren't coming off, you didn't see him, you know, play the ball backwards or try, you know, try to, 
you know, get discouraged by what was going on. I think, you know, he, he clearly understood like what he's on the pitch to do. And I think a kid that age, given what went on with his international clearance and COVID and all that stuff, I mean, to put together the kind of season he did is, is really impressive. Now, maybe he's just, you know, there's a little bit of, is he, is he hard headed or is he just not, just not old enough to realize how ridiculous the situation was. <laughs> um, you know, there's a little bit of youthful exuberance where he's just like, whatever, I'm just going to play. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, to put together the season he did um, and the way he handled it, I mean, seeing him in interviews, I mean, clearly the kid understood that what he was doing was special uh, for, for the Hmong community and for other, for other Asian American uh, soccer players. Uh, and so I, I give him a lot of credit. I mean, I think it, it showed a lot of maturity and a lot of talent. And, um, he handled the pressure put on him by a bunch of idiot podcast hosts, I think quite well. I'd like to meet those, those hosts and tell them to leave him alone. Yeah, I agree. Um, whoever those idiots were that were putting pressure on Michael Vang, they need to stop and stop right now. We can drive uh, to Lansing. We can do that. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah. I think that, that podcast that they're running over there, the, you know, League One Unfiltered. They they have a lot to answer for when it comes to Michael Vang. Uh, one thing I want, you know, we don't want to spend a lot of time on guys who departed, but there was a notable retiree that we haven't uh, talked about yet, and that's uh, J.C. Banks. And I wanted to get a little bit of your sense. You know, I think he's a, a particularly important player to the history of forward Madison because he was our first not homegrown in the traditional sense, but first Wisconsin signing. I think it was important for um, when, you know, the, the roster was being put together that we had someone like JC who represented uh, Wisconsin on the, on the squad. And he's had a hell of a two years, uh, I would say more off the field than on the field. I mean, he's, he's had to grow up, you know, through no choice of his own in, in experiences, you know, some of us uh, would never want to have. Um, and so I just wanted to get your, a little bit of your input, Neil, and, and turn it over to Dan and, and Kyle, because we haven't talked much about what JC meant to forward and, you know, all that, because we think, you know, his retirement is a big deal overall. Oh yeah. That's and thank you guys for, for bringing him up on here because it's uh, too often that, that some players announce their retirements on all the social medias and, and they're quickly forgotten about, but uh, I think JC is a, is a player and a person that's had a tremendous impact on every team he's played on in every city he's been in. Um, like you mentioned, Dan, he's a, he's a Wisconsinite and it was very, very important for us to, to have a few Wisconsinites on, on our team. Um, and JC's a, a guy that I think you'll notice on the field because he does great things. Um, but he's also a guy that a lot of people probably don't notice because he's so quiet and he goes about his job and his life in ways that a lot of professional athletes don't. Um, he loves his family. Um, he, he has a son now. He's a huge family man. He's always been a family man, but he's a, he's a player off the field that is one of the easiest to connect to that I've ever had the, the chance to. Um, JC was one of the easiest players to work with, one of the smartest on the field um, to just talk with say this he gets it he does it um year one 2019 uh, on the field couldn't have seen more exciting stuff out of the guy it was it was awesome to coach him and awesome to see him play up front uh just in front of him and have him at least have that experience in 2019 of playing in front of playing in front of the flock playing in front of madison and playing in the state of wisconsin I'm, i'm so glad that he got to do that to finish out his career um and then 2019 he gets hurt 10 seconds into the season it was 
we're not going to talk about the penalty that should have been, but it should have been. Um, and he takes that on the chin and says, fuck it, I'm playing. And he played through severe amounts of pain the entire year. And you could, you could see him affect his play, but you could still see the, the magic that he brought to the field. And again, um, I'm extremely happy that he got to finish his career in Milwaukee, where he's from. Um, Hart Park is a place that's very old, and, and JC has a lot of memories around that area um, as a in his family and personally. And that's one of the biggest things I, I look back on from that last year. Is if there's anything, I'm so glad JC got to play his last year in Milwaukee because if I was if I was like that, I would have wanted my last year to be in Chicago. But there's not many players that can can say they the experience of playing their last game in the city where they grew up. So I'm personally just really happy that he, that he played for us and he's going to move on to a, a new venture in his life and he's going to do great. Dan Kyle. Yeah, and, 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 you know, for people, well, I was going to say for people who don't, people who don't remember, you know, he, I think, you know, not to just kind of reamplify what Neil was saying. I mean, he had that shoulder strapped up all season um, and, you know, it wasn't really talked about because he kept playing, but it was clear you could see see it every match, and he would sit out a match here or there when there was kind of quick turnarounds on matches. But you know, clearly he was struggling through some injuries, and then um, yeah, and then you know, obviously his, his personal life and everything else that was going on in the world last year. And I thought it was, you know he was an incredibly um, uh, his his speech at the at the y, YMCA uh, or the boys boys and girls club that he gave. Um, I was really impressed with him because again, I think it came across that he he's a quiet guy. That's not necessarily what what he would normally do, but I think he he saw a moment that he felt like he needed to say something, and uh, I really appreciate him doing that on behalf of the club. Yeah, and I was gonna say like professionalism off mm-hmm. the charts for him. Like he's someone that you kind of like what Neil say. You could tell him what to do, and he could do it. But he also just how he handled himself, you know, especially with the past two seasons, you know, what happened at the beginning of year one, even, you know, it takes a lot to, for him, especially for him, like power through that. And he did it and he excelled at it. And then you go into year two with everything that goes on and he just handled it and excelled it. And he did it with the most grace and class that you could see. And especially for someone like JC and what he brought to the state of Wisconsin and Milwaukee, what his family's brought to the state of Wisconsin and Milwaukee and what he's going to do in the future. Yeah. It's really good that he, one got to choose when he wanted to finish his career. And like Neil was saying to do it in Milwaukee where he grows up, I'm sure it was very special to him. I wish him all the best and what his impact is going to do for Wisconsin and also Milwaukee. It's probably, you're going to see it in like 10, 15 years. He's that kind of guy. And it's no surprise because he's that good of a person. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the one thing we in talking about him, you know, uh, among the, the three of us that we all agreed on was he's a guy that you could conceivably see him having an even greater impact uh, off the field than on the field, whether he decides to go into coaching, whether he uh, works with with youth programs, whatever he decides to do, he's he just struck us as all as a, a, a very um, a, a guy that in his own way, it has the commitment and, and fortitude to make a big difference in, in whatever community he, he chooses to make that decision, uh, make, make his home. And I think a, as a group as well, we all understood, you know, with having a child, uh, you know, and, and looking at the injuries last year and, and just the, the whirlwind of his, of his, 
uh, career well. We would have loved to have him back for another year. I think he, Neil, you alluded to this. He's the sort of player that makes coaches look good um, as well. You know, he reads the game so well and can make a lot of those adjustments for you on the pitch um, that you may not even be noticing that need, you know, need to be making. And you could almost, you know, uh, kind of turn over that organization to him in a little bit. Um, and so while we're, we're disappointed not to, to see him come back, we're, I think uh, I'm honored that he played. Uh, it meant a lot to me um, because as I've, I've said, you know, multiple times, um, his father was one of my heroes. Um, and because of that, he's one of our own. I mean, he was a guy from Milwaukee. I played in Milwaukee every weekend. Um, you know, that was, that's where I, I cut my teeth. I played against Bavarians and all of that. And so it was really, really cool for me as a fan to see a Wisconsin guy here, you know, that, I, that had Wisconsin in his blood that probably has cheese curds, you know, flowing through it. Like I did um, back, hopefully not too many in season, obviously, um, but, you know, back on, on the pitch. And I, I, I want to thank JC. If, uh, God, God knows he doesn't listen to this podcast, but uh, <laughs> want to thank him. Uh, you know, if anybody listens to this and can relay that to him, I, I think he meant a lot to us both on and off the field. And um, we were really honored to, to have him and, and wish him just the very best. Um, and, and I think he was just a, just a great guy. Um, before we let uh, are Neil... there any players that we want to say that we're glad are gone? <laughs> um, Neil, Neil, Neil. I think this is your segment. This is the. This is the <laughs> Neil just. Uh, we've lost camera, Neil. He's, he's disconnected the feed. Uh, he's he's never coming back on the podcast. Uh, Sorry, this is where dining with a, Neil comes in. Yeah, we're, we're, we need to get Neil back to a bar, I think, to get. <laughs> that was all. Be, that was all because I was getting uncomfortable with Keith speaking from his heart. <laughs> I needed Thank to. God. I needed to let. It, I was worried his. I was worried it was going to explode on camera. That his heart well, would know, just not feel. Much like, much like the Grinch, uh, my heart grew three sizes the day that JC signed. Until next time, forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. Trying to see what's on that whiteboard behind Neil's. Like, I'm also trying to see, yeah. trying to remember what players we fucking signed because I never remember. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>